Matthew chapter 18, if you'll stand with us this morning. Appreciate every testimony, every song, and uh, thank God for His presence this morning. And I'm going to be honest with you, I came with another message on my heart, and uh, the choir was singing, and and uh, just some, uh, some things. You know, daily Bible reading will help you, won't it? And uh, just scribbled down some thoughts around this text, and uh, I don't know, it'll be real good or real bad, but it'll be real either way. So that's what's on my heart this morning, and I just want to be obedient to the Lord. It's amazing because I was, I thought, well, Lord, I don't know if I, I want to be sure it's your will to, pray. you know, if, if God ain't in it, it'll be evident. I can tell you that. But when she sung that song about the unseen hand, it just confirmed that, and Brother Laddie testified about that same thing there. It just confirmed that it's the will of God. First Kings 18 and verse 42 says, So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah, First Kings 18, And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Father, Lord, thank you for this service this morning. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your presence. Lord, that we felt this morning in this service. I pray, God, that you'd bless now the reading of thy word. I pray the Holy Spirit would do the work that no man can do. Help our hearts draw us near to you. We pray you'd save that sinner that's nearest hell. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse uh, number 44 here in just a moment. Uh, but I want you to notice where Elijah is in this text today. He's just called fire down from heaven. Uh, 450 prophets of Baal have been defeated. And God has given him a great victory. And you, if you go into chapter number 19, you don't have to <clears throat> read it. You can read it when you get home. But if you go into chapter 19, Jezebel makes a, uh, she makes a proclamation that she's going to take Elijah's life uh, because of what's happened to those prophets, those false prophets of Baal. And so Elijah goes from chapter 18 uh, from having a great victory and living in victory uh, to chapter number 19 to uh, going through a time of great discouragement. And we both this morning can say that, or we can all say this morning that we've been on both sides of that. I think if you've been saved any length of time, you could testify that you know what it is to have victory and to live in victory. And you also know what it is to face discouragement and to live in defeat. All of God's children have experienced both the hilltops and the valleys of life. But when we come to our text this morning, where we find Elijah is that he is somewhere in this passage of scripture this morning between victory and defeat or victory and discouragement and I want to preach a few minutes this morning on that subject on somewheres between victory and discouragement you see it comes to all of God's children but God allows things in our life for everything has a purpose and has a plan and God allows it to come into our life he allows us to have the hilltops he allows us to have the mountaintops and the victories of life and then he 
allows us to go through the times of discouragement. He even allows us to face defeat at times uh, so that he might be able to help us uh, and to encourage us along life's way. Well, we notice in verse number 42, I see the footsteps of Elijah. As the Bible said that Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. We notice his footsteps. He goes to the top of that mountain where he's just had this great victory from. And we see the fervency of Elijah in verse 42. The Bible said he cast himself down upon the earth and he put his face between his knees. Now, Elijah is not just praying, but he's praying fervently. You can see that in his position, how that he cast himself down upon the earth. His face is between his knees. He's in an agony. He's praying earnestly as James spoke about. He prayed that it might not rain and he prayed again and the Bible said the heavens gave rain. Here it is in our text this morning. Even though Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are, James said according to this verse, he prayed earnestly. Amen. He was a man of earnest prayer and so we see the fervency of Elijah and then we see the follower of Elijah. There's a servant in verse number 43 that is mentioned and he said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea and he went up and the Bible says that he said that there is nothing. Amen. I mean, think about this text this morning. Here we have Elijah. He's won a great victory. He goes to the mountaintop. He prays. Uh, he's praying earnestly. He's praying fervently. He finishes that prayer and he sends that servant to see uh, uh, what God is going to do. And the Bible says he comes back and says uh, that there is nothing. Have you ever prayed and felt like there was nothing? Have you ever sought God earnestly and fervently and prayed and got up believing and expecting something to happen only to find out that there was was nothing. That's where Elijah is. Uh, there is nothing in this verse. Uh, but we see the faithfulness of Elijah as he said to his servant in verse 43, go again seven times. Uh, I mean, he didn't tell him just go again one more time. But Elijah knows uh, you're probably going to go and see nothing a second time. You're probably going to go and see nothing again a third time. You're probably going a fourth and a fifth time. Uh, he says, well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. You go over there uh, and when you see nothing you come back and you turn around and you go again and when you don't see anything you turn around and you go again seems like a big waste of time to me but isn't that the way prayer is sometimes we pray and we see nothing but you know what we do we go back again amen I'm telling you when there's nothing you don't quit praying when there's nothing you don't throw in the towel when there's nothing you don't quit you say what do you do you just be faithful amen you see Elijah's doing what he's supposed to do and he wants that servant to do what he's supposed to do. He's the man to be on the lookout while Elijah's in the closet on the mountaintop. Elijah knows that if he'll do what he's supposed to do and if the servant will do what he's supposed to do, then God will do what he is supposed to do. And I'm telling you this morning, God will always be faithful. If we'll be faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. Hallelujah. And he's going to be faithful when we're unfaithful. Isn't that right? 
And I see the faithfulness of Elijah. And then I see here uh, the faith of Elijah. Notice the Bible said in verse 44 that it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth, notice this, a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. I mean, listen, Elijah goes uh, in verse number 43, I underline this, there is nothing. And then I underlined in verse number 44, a little cloud. I mean, he goes from nothing to just a little. Amen. And it's not rained uh, in three and a half years uh, and they're desperate. Uh, Everything is dry. Everything is barren. Everything, my friend, there's a great drought. I'm telling you, little's not going to do much. Uh, I think about whenever they brought those five loaves and two fishes. Uh, uh, One of those disciples, I believe it was Andrew, uh, said to Jesus, said, uh, there is a lad here with five loaves and two fishes. Uh, He said, but what are they among so many? I'm going to tell you, little is much when God is in it. Amen. Uh, It was just a little cloud. Uh, I'm telling you, God don't need a whole lot. Uh, He can do a lot in a little. Can I get a witness right there? Uh, I'm telling you, this little cloud, uh, my friend, was a test as much for Elijah as what it was for the servant. But notice what Elijah says in verse 44. He says, go up and say unto Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down. Look at this, uh, that the rain stop thee not. Amen. You see, Elijah was still believing that God was going to send the rain. He believed when there was nothing. You say, how do you know that? Look at verse number 41. Elijah says to Ahab, get thee up and eat and drink why? For there is a sound of abundance of rain. Elijah wasn't trusting in what he could see. He was trusting in what he could hear. Amen. And can I tell you tonight or this morning, faith will always hear what the eye cannot see. Amen. That's why faith is is the unseen. The Bible said that it's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Elijah could already see that rain before it ever got here. You know why? Because faith was working in his life and when that servant came back and said hey there's a little cloud here of the size of a man's hand he said you go tell Ahab the rains are coming amen somewhere's between victory and somewhere's between discouragement what we see in the life of Elijah is that he still had faith amen you see faith will help you in times of victory faith will help you if you're discouraged I'm glad faith will help you when you're right between. There's probably people in this building this morning, God's give you a great victory, and we praise God for that. And then there's people this morning, you're going through the valley of discouragement, and God is going to help you with that. And then there's people this morning, you say, well, I'm in neither one, preacher. You're just somewheres in between. But I promise you this morning, uh, the same God that was with Elijah when he was on the mountaintop, and the same God that was with Elijah when he thought he was going to die, is the same God that's going to send the rain. Uh, And my friend, we see the prayer of Elijah and the patience of Elijah, but we see the promise of God uh, that God will not fail thee nor forsake thee. He will not leave thee nor forsake thee. God will be there when you need him. Amen. I see the faith of Elijah. And I see the favor of Elijah. The Bible said in verse 46 that the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. When God's hand is on a man, you can mark it down, the devil's going to come after him. 
when God's hand is on a Christian, on a lady, on, on a man that is serving God, the devil's not going to get up, give up. But what did Elijah learn on this mountaintop? Elijah learned how to talk to God. He learned how to trust God when he could not see. He learned how to tell others uh, what God had promised. Uh, he told that servant to go. And notice what the Bible says in verse 45. And it came to pass in the meanwhile. Uh, y'all look at that statement. It came to pass in the meanwhile. You see, while that servant was on his journey uh, to go tell Ahab what was going to take place, uh, that little cloud comes in. He sees that cloud. He tells Elijah. Elijah acts in faith and said, you go tell Ahab there's more to come. It may look like a cloud, like a man's hand right now, but there's rain coming. And while he's on his way, guess what? Heaven's on its way. God is sending the rain. That tells me this morning, if you and I, we'll just keep on keeping on. If we'll do what we're supposed to do, if we'll just trust and obey, if we'll just put our faith in God, if we'll do what we're supposed to do, God will send the rain in our life. Now, why did God send this rain? I want to say this morning three or four reasons why God sent this rain. And we certainly need it in our life this morning. We need God to send a spiritual rain. Now, look across this congregation this morning. If you're lost, you need God to send that rain in your life. You need God to rain conviction on your soul this morning. And open your eyes and let you see yourself lost in need of a Savior. If you're saved this morning, you need God to send that rain of spiritual renewal this morning. I'm telling you, we're living in a time that if we don't walk with God and if we don't seek God with all of our heart, we'll surely backslide in this hour. Too many long faces in the house of God when it ought to not be that way. I'm telling you, the God of the good times, uh, He is the God of the bad times. Uh, and you say, well, preacher, these are hard times. Uh, Hey, they were hard times in Elijah's day, but God didn't fail Elijah, and God's not going to fail me, and God's not going to fail you. I don't have any sad stories to tell. You say everything must be perfect in your life. Oh, no. In fact, it's not at all. But I want to tell you this morning that God is still real, and God is still good, and God is still faithful. And it doesn't matter what my flesh says. It doesn't matter. Listen, I'm not letting the devil ride piggyback this morning. He can get his own right. I'm telling you, God's been better to me than what I deserve. He's been good to me and he's been good to you. He doesn't know us anything, but he's dropped a whole lot of handfuls of purposes along our way. And all I owe this morning is a gratitude of thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me this morning. Amen. I'm telling you, he's been good to us. Amen. And God knows when to send the rain in our life. God, why did you send this rain? I believe he sent it, number one, to revive. Amen. Uh, he sent it to revive the heart of his servant. Elijah's been busy. He's been serving. He's been working. Uh, and God knows that Elijah needed this rain as much as anybody. This servant needed this rain uh, that was working with Elijah. The people in the valley uh, needed this rain. Uh, God sent this rain uh, uh, to send revival. Oh, that thou wouldest rent the heavens again. Uh, we need God to send the rain of revival uh, back in our hearts, uh, in our 
soul. It'll put a shout in your in your worship. It'll put a, a melody in your song. It'll put some preach in your sermon. Amen. I'm telling you, no matter what we think, I don't want to quit. Do you? I don't want to give up. And I don't even want to coast. Amen. I don't want to let the troubles and the trials of life cause me to kick it in neutral. I tell you what I want to do. I want to press on for the glory of God in these last days. We need the reins of revival. Hallelujah. God's able to send it, isn't he? I didn't feel too much like preaching when I started, but I do now. You may not feel like hearing preaching, but I hope you do now. Because you're going to hear it whether you want to or not. You might as well enjoy it this morning. I'm talking about isn't it good to be in church? Isn't it good to be in a good place this morning under the Word of God? Isn't it good to be around the saints of God? Isn't it good to live in America and have a King James Bible in your in your lap and Jesus in your heart? Don't you thank God for His blessings this morning? I'm telling you, God has sent the rain in our life and we ought to be thankful and we ought to be grateful and we ought to give Him praise and we ought to glorify His name. If He never does another thing, He's been better to us and we ever deserve him to be and God sent this rain to revive I've seen God send rain in a sermon when my soul was thirsty and dry started out the sermon started out a little bit like this cloud the size of a man's hand but the Bible says in verse 45 that the heavens was black with clouds and the wind, <laughs> and there was a great rain. I'm going to tell you, I was sitting on a porch yesterday, and uh, a couple of the grandkids were sitting over there, and I could look back over this way, and it was, it was dark and black. And we were sitting there on the front porch, and, and the American flag uh, was, was, was started flapping just a little bit. And I told one of them, I said, you see that flag starting to move a little? They said, yeah. I said, the wind is picking up. I said, it's fixing to rain. I said, hang on. I said, that wind will start blowing a little bit more. You know what, just a few minutes later, hear that wind, that flag started blowing more. I said, that rain's a coming. You can tell when the rain's coming. You say, how do you know when the rain's coming? Because the wind starts blowing. You know what we need God to do? We need a wind to blow in our souls. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I got to preach in a sermon and I tell you there was nothing. Amen. And then it looked like they just a little cloud. Like, like maybe a little touch in that sermon. Not a whole lot. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'm looking for this morning. I hope it's what you're looking for. Uh, I'm looking for those uh, I'm looking for those black clouds. Amen. I'm looking for the wind to go to blowing. Amen. If it don't blow I'm going to quit. Amen. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. Uh, when the wind starts blowing uh, that means the rain's coming. Uh, and I've been sitting in church and a man of God get to preaching I'll tell you a little cloud show up and then it get a little bit darker and a little bit heavier and the high winds of heaven starts blowing and God would send the rains of revival to speak to my heart oh I never want to get so calloused I never want to get so critical I never want to get so cold that I could just sit through a sermon and not feel anything I don't want to be that way I don't want my heart to get so hard that everything I see, I see it through a critical eye. That I'm denied blessing after blessing because of things 
that's got it in my heart. See, it's why it's important this morning that we stay tender. It's why that we stay teary-eyed. It's why that we stay humble and lowly. It's why this morning I need God to take that book and to every day show me my faults and show me my failures so I don't focus on the faults and failures of others. I need Him to show me who I am. I'm telling you, I ain't got time to worry about And I'm not talking about praying for people, but I don't have time to be critical of others. I know how sorry and low down this stuff is. I know how, listen, I miss the mark. You say, preacher, that you come up short every day of my life. I come up short for all have sinned all have sinned and come short of the glory of God I can't be critical of you because I live with me this morning I'm telling you if one should mark iniquities who could stand if God started going around this room marking iniquities I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I might as well be first in line because I know how, how sorry I am I'm not out in deep dark gross sin this morning but I'll tell you stuff that gets in here it gets pretty deep it gets pretty dark it gets pretty gross you say I wouldn't admit that if you want any victory you're going to have to I'm telling you that's how you have revival you just come clean with God you just come honest with God I'm talking about from the pulpit to the pew you say why would you say that because I don't want to get hard I don't want to get calloused and by the grace of God I'm not going to amen I'll tell you what pastor has taught me down through the years I got a lot to learn I'll tell you what it has taught me down through the years, and it's been one of the greatest blessings in my life. It's to never let people, never let problems, and never let places hinder my worship. I'm telling you this morning, I mean, there's, there's things that I could never divulge that has happened right before church, right after church. And early on, it used to, I struggled with it. And one day I realized that, hey, we're just people. Can I get an amen right there? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. We're people. We're humans this morning. We got so many things wrong with us that none of us wants to talk about. Can I get a witness on that? I realized something, Brother Tim. I'm going to have to get my eyes off all them other things. When I go to church... Brother, I'm telling you, I've called on people to sing that did not like me at all. Not right now. Don't get nervous. At least I hope so. If you don't like me, just let me think you're my best friend. My life will be a whole lot better. But I've had people get sideways, get mad over some decision that, that you had the Holy Ghost, to, and you had to make it. I mean, it was either make them happy or make God happy. I'll tell you which way I'm going every time. If it runs me out of a rail, on a rail, I'll go out on that rail with God. Can I get an amen right there? And get mad. And you know what? As a pastor, it'd be like, I'm not asking them to sing. I'm not asking this person to You can't do that. God ain't going to let you do that. He ain't going to sympathize with your little feelings. That's right. God... You ask him to sing. You ask him to testify. And they'd get up and give one of the best testimonies and they was against me the whole time, Brother Laddie. Now, how is that? Can y'all figure that out? How can a person give a good testimony when they're mean as a devil? And then beat it all, the Holy Ghost say, call on to testify. 
And then on top of that, you know what? It's so good that I knew there was a devil, but it was so good I shouted with it. Because it was good. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's good. So I have to say amen to the truth. Isn't that right? Because, see, I couldn't be right with God clamming up on them because of something personal. Boy, sermons went a different way, hadn't it? But in that, the Lord taught me something. It don't matter if, and I'm not saying people in sin can't, uh, you know what I'm saying. It don't matter at the moment what they are, how they are, because we've all done our wrong. I'm not talking about just letting it down, let everything go. You know that. But he taught me on people. Then I'll never really learn how to worship God. you got to get past problems. And I understand. When hearts are heavy, I've been where I couldn't shout. I've been where I couldn't say amen. I'm not critical of that. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about a circumstance here and there. I'm talking about that being a principle of life. You can't let the problems of life rob you of your worship. You say, why? Because God's big enough to send that rain. And I've watched, I, I said all those things to say this. I don't, why, preacher? Why I do that? Because I don't want to get hard. I don't want to get hard. Well, I don't want to get to, I don't want to get critical. I don't want to get cold. You ever been there? Sure, I have, but I don't want to stay there. It's one thing to get there. It's another thing to stay there. I don't want to get to the place. You say, well, what's going to soften me up? You need God to turn a faucet on heaven. You need a rain of revival down in your soul. I tell you how to get out of that pit. Is this way right here this morning. You recognize it ain't everybody else and it ain't everything else. It's you. It's you. That's how you get out of that pit. Tell you how to climb out of that pit of self-pity and sympathy and, and that pit of, of, of bitterness and jealousy and, and that, bitter, that pit of always, always thinking it's everybody else. You know, they said years ago when you preach and you point that finger, always remember there's one pointing up to God. That's where we all need to look. But there's three pointing back at you. And this morning, we need a rain of revival. Why did he send that rain? To revive hearts. He sent that rain to rescue. I'm telling you, it went about as long as it could. People were dying because of the drought. I'll tell you why I need God to send revival in my life. I don't want those around me to die. Amen. I don't want to drive upon God. But see, people think that when they drift from God and they get hard and they get callous, it don't hurt nobody but them. But I'm here to tell you this morning, when it's dry, when your life is dry and my life is dry and thirsty, it's affecting others around us today. And there's others that need those waters of revival. And when God floods your soul, it'll rescue somebody else. It'll help somebody else this morning. Hey, there's somebody in your life, there's somebody in my life that needs rescue. And we may not even know that they need rescue but God knows a spirit filled Christian a spirit filled walk it rescues others it helps others your family your friends maybe it's a neighbor I don't know who it is maybe it's another brother another church member but I know that others need me to be filled with the Holy Spirit I need God in my life and you need God in your life I don't need to get cold and calloused and dry up I can't use my life or circumstances Elijah couldn't use what he was going through as 
as an as a as a as a crutch because God had promised to send the rain if he would trust him. Amen. You know this morning, if you'll trust God, he's able to rescue your soul. Sinner, if you'll trust God, he can rescue you from hell. Backslider, if you'll trust God, he'll rescue you from a backslid state. Why go home the same way you came when you can go home different this morning? Why do that? Why hold on to something that's absolutely destroying you spiritually when you could go home happy? You know, it's better to go home broken and blessed than it is to go home bitter and backslid. Isn't that right? I'd rather go home broken and blessed as to go home bitter and backslid because God's on the throne this morning. I just wonder in this congregation, only the Holy Ghost knows the need. I wonder what the needs are this morning. I wonder why I was going to preach on the ten lepers this morning. I wonder why God changed the message. I don't have to know, and I'm not supposed to know. But only you know that this morning. Don't let the devil say, well, Brother Gravely knows something. I don't know anything, but I'll tell you one thing. I know beyond shadow of a doubt, I preached exactly what the Holy Spirit would have me preach this morning. And I've done what God wants me to do. Now I'm just asking you to do what God wants you to do this morning. As we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come, you don't have to come. I'm not begging you. I'm not, I don't want you, I'm not guilting you into coming. I've done everything the Holy Spirit wants me to do this morning. Now you do everything the Holy Spirit wants you to do this morning. I just want to stay as close to him as I can. I'm not telling you I'm as close as I need to be, but I want to stay as close as I can. Is that that old song, Nothing Between? What is that old song? What is that this morning? That's okay. So let's sing that too, so sweet.